I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. And I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. The first time I really faced discrimination, or my family did, was um, in 1950, my father ran for the city council in the city that I grew up in, in Azusa. It's just a small community, and, uh, and he won. But two years later, he was recalled because they never thought he'd get elected. And he was Mexican-American in a town that was pretty racist. Um, and um, so my father was recalled and that. And I'll never forget that because it really was the first time that we realized that um, one, if you organize, you can win. But two, when you're bucking the establishment, you know, they can uh, turn around and you know, and, and, and try to get you back, you know, and, and in this case they did, but it never, I think it really encouraged us all to stay involved in politics. Helen Hernandez has worn a lot of hats in a storied career that has taken her from the trenches of labor union activism to the CEO of one of the leading organizations that brings destination managers and travel journalists together into the same tent. And in between it all, she's been a presence in the Los Angeles arts and entertainment communities too. In this episode of World Footprints, the first of two with the CEO of the North American Travel Journalist Association, Helen shares her remarkable journey. With more than 400 members representing destinations and travel journalists, the North American Travel Journalist Association, commonly known as NACHA, Helen Hernandez is leading one of the premier travel industry organizations through perhaps the toughest period ever faced by the travel industry. In this episode, we'll explore Helen's journey from her childhood in California as a Mexican-American Latina who overcame much adversity to taking an active role in the labor union movement. Her career would go in an entirely different direction and land her a job working for television producer Norman Lear. For full disclosure, Ian and I are members of NACHA, and I actually serve on the advisory board of the organization. Here's our conversation with Helen Hernandez. Helen Hernandez, thank you so much for joining World Footprints today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. It's always nice to be with you, Tanya and Ian. I want to talk to you a little bit about your background before we we get into the space where we both live, which is travel. Um, You started working for the unions. Tell, tell us about that and, and what you did. Well, I was on uh, staff for a local union, uh, United Furniture Workers of America, AFL-CIO. And um, I, um, it was really interesting because it, th- I was working there part-time um, as uh, extra office help. And uh, in 1976, late 76, the... Um, then president of the AFL-CIO, George Meany, issued a directive to all labor unions to hire more women on international staff. And so um, uh, the international president called the, um, the head of the union where I was working, the local union, and said, you know, we need to identify women to hire on international staff. Do you have any? He goes, well, I've got one sitting here. Let me talk to her to see if she's interested. <laughs> so that was me. And that was, that was the beginning of my career. Um, uh, I, you know, they asked me if I would like to be an, an international staff. I said, sure, what do I do? They said, don't worry about it. We'll send you to school. Next thing I knew, I was on a plane going to Washington, D.C. to attend the Georgia Mini Labor Studies Center in Silver Spring, Maryland. And that's how, 
how everything just took off. And I'll never forget being the California gal that I am, born and raised. I woke up um, on Inauguration Day, January 20th, 1977, which was Jimmy Carter's inauguration. It was my first overnight at this school. And I saw the sun shining and I thought, and there was snow on the ground. I said, oh, it's warm outside. So I went outside with no coat. Because <laughs> here when the sun's out, hey, it's warm, you know, little did I know that, you know, the sun may be out, but it's still really, really cold. So that was my first uh, uh, instruction on dealing with uh, East, Co East uh, Coast weather. What was life like growing up for you uh, back then in, in California when we still have the issues we're grappling with today? Well, my, my parents believed that education was really important. So my father was a plumber. Um, and um, so he, you know, supported all of us on his job as a plumber. He had his own business. Uh, my dad was very smart. He just never had the opportunity to go to college. So even though he was a plumber, he um, went to real estate school at night and wound up becoming a real estate broker. And when he passed at 52, he actually had a building contractor's license as well. Mm. So um, he um, always worked hard to make sure that we had an education. We you know, didn't have a lot always to, to eat. I, you know, it was basically, I'm, I'm Mexican-American, so beans are a staple and so are tortillas. So my mother was always making beans and tortillas, so which were great. You know, now they're a delicacy. Um, but um, so, you know, we, we got along. It was difficult. Um, you know, I was, I have three older brothers, but in a Mexican-American household, the boys really don't do much and not expected to do much around, around the house. So my, myself and my four sisters were really the ones that helped my mother keep the house together. And as she had children, uh, we were the ones that um, helped her, you know, with the babies and, and, and such. This is the award-winning World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick. World Footprints connects you to the world through powerful storytelling that uncovers the full narrative of our cultural and human experiences. Travel deeper by visiting our website, worldfootprints.com, and make sure you sign up for our newsletter and receive a special gift we have just for subscribers. I guess the first time I really faced discrimination, or my family did, was um, in 1950, my father ran for the city council in the city that I grew up in, in Azusa. It's just a small community, and, uh, and he won. But two years later, he was recalled because they never thought he'd get elected. And he was Mexican-American in a town that was pretty racist. Um, and um, so my father was recalled in that. And I'll never forget that because it really was the first time that we realized that um, one, if you organize, you can win. But two, when you're bucking the establishment, you know, they can uh, turn around and you know, and, and, and try to get you back, you know, and, and in this case they did, but it never, I think it really encouraged us all to stay involved in politics mm -hmm. and to care about, um, you know, uh, our political life. Um, because as they say, all politics is local. Yeah. And uh, we, we, so we always remain involved and, you know, uh, my dad was involved in various, you know, um, organizations, Rotary Club, you know, Knights of Columbus, we were Roman Catholic and, 
and so forth. So he was very involved in everything, but he never ran for, you know, city council again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that was my, my first foray into politics. Um, uh, and, you know, I've stayed involved ever since then because I think, you know, it's important, very important to be involved. And Helen has stayed involved. In fact, her union and political work led her to a friendship with Cesar Chavez, and we asked her about that. I was organizing some workers in East Los Angeles, and the workers that I was organizing in those days were really um, uh, Spanish dominant, um, probably undocumented, um, but had had a history of significant uh, accidents in the factory. And um, I went to hear Caesar speak one night, and um, um, I, I just gravitated to him, and I just said, you know, um, I'm organizing some workers in East L.A., and I, it would mean so much if you would come and speak to them. And he said, of course, I'd love to. And then he brought his assistant over and said, please get all the details, and I'll be there. And so, um, sure enough, he showed up, and, uh, and with him, he brought Dolores Huerta, um, who um, was his partner at the United Farm Workers Union. And, um, and uh, that's how I developed a relationship with Caesar and an even closer relationship with Dolores. Dolores and I are still close to this very day, and she just celebrated her 90th birthday. Oh, bless. Incredible. <laughs> Helen, just like me and Tanya, you and your husband, Ben, work together with the North American Travel Journalists Association, which you run. Uh, but it was that labor work, that labor organizing work that you did that you actually met Ben. Talk to us about, about that bridge from then to, to now, so to speak. Well, it, w- it was a hate-love relationship in that order. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, I was, you know, uh, very idealistic. Um, and I really truly believed that we could make a difference in, in workers' lives. So uh, whenever I went into anything, I really went into it with, you know, full force. That's just me. That's just the way I do things. I never do anything halfway. And so I was organizing this factory um, that had a 24-hour operation. So um, I, I was going to pass leaflets out for the uh, workers to uh, come to a union meeting or a, an organizing meeting and I was trying to get everybody between the swing shift and the graveyard shift, which was maybe about 11 30, 45 at night. <clears throat> so I went out there and I was alone. I didn't have anyone with me. It was the union I worked for was small, so they didn't have a lot of help. Um, and so I went and did it by myself. So I went out and I was passing out flyers. And apparently the owners became very upset and they had hired this young attorney. His name was Ben Root. Um, and so they called him up and said, she's out here causing trouble. We don't know what to do. And he said, call the police. And he hung up. <laughs> and so um, the irony of all of this is that, um, first of all, the police didn't get there in time. I was out of there by the time they showed up. And, and uh, second of all, uh, 30 years later, I wound up marrying the man. <laughs> 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 and But I have to say, to Ben's credit, um, you know, coming where I came from, from a small town, you know, uh, in California, um, a traditional Mexican family. Um, uh, ben went to University of Michigan, uh, went to Harvard Law School, uh, worked for a big law firm in downtown L.A. And 
as we came up against each other, and that wasn't the only time, we came up against each other about five times all, all together, from an organizing drive to contract negotiations. Um, every time we would run into each other, he would always say to me, you know, you shouldn't be in this business. <laughs> you should be doing something else. And I thought to myself, well, I like what I do. I like people and I like helping to make a difference in their lives. And he said, no, 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 you're too smart for this. You need to do something else. And uh, lo and behold, um, one day through a friend, I happened to meet uh, someone who worked for Norman Lear, the television producer. Um, and they were looking for someone who had community experience um, and knew how to talk to people um, to be the director of public affairs for his production company. And um, so um, this person that I met said, you know, I really like you. I would like you to come see me in my office. I said, okay. So I went to see her in her office and she explained very carefully to me what she did for a living. And I said, oh, this sounds really interesting. And she said, well, I want you to take my job. And I said, what? Wow. <laughs> and um, honestly, I don't watch television because <laughs> I'm always in the street. I'm always out at meetings, meeting with people, you know, organizing. Um, I mean, I had heard of Archie Bunker, but really <laughs> never <laughs> watched any of the, <laughs> the family shows, the truth <laughs> be told. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. We need somebody that can go out into the community and talk to organizations and engage them and get them um, involved in what we're doing. Because one of the things that the production company did was anytime they did a, produced a show with a social issue, they would go out into the community and conduct screenings, or they would say to the director of public affairs, find the right consultant for this project. You know, our producers and writers need help. Uh, because anything we put on television, we had to be socially responsible and make sure it was accurate. So, um, so she said, you know, I said, look, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. And she said, no, I think you ought to apply. I thought to myself, you know, I have a job. So what have I got to lose? So I called up Ben at this point. This is like four years, five years later after we had met and we actually became friends and he became my mentor actually. Um, uh, if the truth be told. Um, mm. And um, I said, can you believe that, you know, they encouraged me to apply for this job? And he said to me, you've never been afraid of anything before. Why start now? He says, you've got a job, you know, see how far you go. If nothing else, you'll meet somebody, some new people. I said, well, that's a good point. So I went through the whole process and I went through five interviews. My last interview was with Alan Horn, who is the president of the company and who is now the co-chairman of the Walt Disney Company, I might add, um, was my last interview. And um, I was there for less than five minutes. He stood up and he said, um, the job is yours. Welcome aboard. He stood up, shook my hand. I walked out the door and my knees buckled and I started crying and said to myself, what did I do? This is World Footprints, and you're listening to Helen Hernandez, the CEO of the North American Travel Journalist Association. My work in, uh, uh, with unions in the labor movement really prepared me for my job in entertainment because mm. it's really, really competitive. It is probably one of the most competitive jobs anyone could ever have. And I really, truly believe I survived in the industry. Um, because the job I had, no one really understood uh, and no one else 
could do. And it really didn't look competitive to anybody else in the business. So, you know, I was basically left alone. So, you know, it was, it was, it was good. You know, I had the best job in Hollywood for seven years. Helen, as we think about what you're doing today and given your past dealing with labor unions, dealing with uh, labor, you're now in an organization that you had where you've got journalists, kind of the uh, labor component and the destination management organizations, the DMOs, kind of the industry side there. So it, it seems like it's all converged, but in a different space. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about 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 that and how how that past experience ultimately prepared you to manage this organization which has diverse constituencies too um well you know uh coming out of the labor movement and before i joined you know um uh the union staff i was also a uh a union member um, and uh, the retail, in those days, it was called the Retail Clerks International Union. Now it's the food, United Food and Commercial Workers. Um, and so I really understood the importance and value of, um, of, of providing services to membership. So um, when we had the opportunity to, um, to manage, you know, the North American Travel Journalists Association, one of the things I wanted to make sure that we would be responsive to the members um, that anyone, anytime anyone is paying dues that you need, if they need something, you need to respond. And so as we developed our staff over the years, we wanted to make sure that any email that comes in is answered within 24 hours, um, seven days a week, I might add, because on the weekends I check emails all the time. And if there's a member that sends an email, I respond to it personally. So um, I think that you need to make sure that um, people feel um, that they're receiving a benefit um, through an organization um, and to make sure that you're providing, you know, resources that they, they need and that they can use. And I think, and that's, that works, I think, as well for, in this case, you know, the destination marketing organizations or CBB Convention and Visitors Bureaus um, and, and uh, journalists. Um, and when, when I um, uh, took over NACHTA, you know, I was told, whoa, whoa, no, the CVBs, DMOs, they're, they're like the stepchildren. You know, you, the journalists, the media is really who you need to concentrate on. And I, you know, and, and I, I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, you can't have one without the other. You know, so I really set forth a path to make sure that everyone is treated as equals Mm -hmm. that you know there is an integration between the media and the convention and visitors bureaus and the dmos that you know it's all about building relationships and making sure that they can help each other because that's what it's really all about is helping each other You know, and listening to Helen tell her story, I was reminded of a quote I heard about that Steve Jobs made. You can never connect the dots looking forward, only 
can you connect them looking backwards? And so looking back through her journey from the union to the arts and entertainment and to how that actually prepared her and propelled her to lead the North American Travel Journalists Association, you can clearly connect the trajectory of her career to what she's doing now. Uh, Certainly. uh, That trajectory obviously involved building relationships and bringing together diverse points of view in some instances. And certainly as the CEO of Natcha, she's had to do that, uh, dealing with journalists who aren't necessarily thinking about things the same way as destination managers do, but she's found a way to bring them into the same tent and to really do some powerful things in the travel industry. You know, and something else that occurred to me as we were talking to her is we have known Helen for years, over 12 years now, I think, actually. And some of the stories she shared, I've actually heard them for the first time. Like, I never knew about the the relationship her family had with Pancho Villa. And, you know, and there's a lot of richness in uh, her family history and, and, and her story. And so I'm really grateful that we had the opportunity to interview her and get to know her even much better. And I, I mean, I've always think, thought she's a remarkable woman. And, you know, now it's like... I didn't realize that uh, anyone could really be elevated beyond um, the high level of admiration I already had for her. Indeed. Next time in our final episode of our conversation with North American Travel Journalists Association CEO Helen Hernandez, we go in depth about the future of travel and how the world might be impacted by social changes we're witnessing. The world is changing. When you look at the diversity of our country, it's changing it, and it's through intermarriage and um, there's diversity in everything that we do. I can speak to my family, you know, for my, my kids, my children. My children are half Irish and German and half Mexican. Are they 100% Mexican? No, but they're 50%. My grandchildren are 25%. My grandchildren, when they have their kids, are probably gonna be a 12th. So the world is changing. And I think for the good, because when you look at, especially at the arts and culture and the beauty of the music and the art that we're all being exposed to, it's just, it's just what makes this country so special and the ability that we have these, you know, um, freedoms of expression that are, are, that people in other countries aren't able to, uh, to experience. In closing, we want to leave you with the words of Cesar Chavez, which seem very relevant to the issues of our time. Preservation of one's own culture does not require contempt or disrespect for other cultures. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we're so honored that you chose to take this adventure with us. Thank you for spending this time and allowing us to connect you to the world through the stories we share on World Footprints. This World Footprints podcast with Ian and Tanya Fitzpatrick is a production of World Footprints, LLC, Silver Spring, Maryland. The multi-award winning podcast is available on worldfootprints.com and on audio platforms worldwide, including iHeartRadio, Public Radio Exchange, iTunes, and Stitcher. Connect with the world one story at a time with World Footprints. Visit worldfootprints.com to enjoy more podcasts and explore hundreds of articles from international travel writers. 
and be sure to subscribe to the newsletter. World Footprints is a trademark of World Footprints LLC, which retains all rights to the World Footprints portfolio, including worldfootprints.com and this podcast.